0: they've managed to turn their STR dreams into reality if you're an ambitious woman who's looking to build a successful short-term rental business you are in the right place sister welcome to another episode of the STR sisterhood host, Stacey St. John, and I am so incredibly excited to have you listening to today's guest. Before we dive into that conversation, though, I want to share a quote that I recently saw that resonated with me, and it says, The most common way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. Those words come to us from Alice Walker. Alice was an American writer, poet, and activist who was best known for her novel, The Color Purple. Now, in this episode, we delve into Lori Shaw's story of a very scary breast cancer diagnosis and how she decided to utilize what's arguably the most challenging time in her life. To create a new future for herself this is one super special str sister my friends and i cannot wait for you to meet her so without further ado let's dive into my conversation with Lori. so today we are joined by Lori shaw and Lori, i'm excited to have this conversation and thanks so much for being with us
1: thank you so much i'm so excited to be here stacy
0: so Let's first have you maybe just share a little bit about yourself, who you are and where you live.
1: Sure. So I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am a short-term rental specific designer. So I do a lot of vacation homes and short-term rentals all over the U.S. So I work remotely, in person, and a hybrid of the two.
0: I love that. Talk to us a little bit about how you entered into the short-term rental space to begin with.
1: Yes. So when I first started, it was really about our family. We have two little kids, not so little now, I guess they're nine and 11, but we thought it was a good idea. We, since we live in a fantastic location in Charlotte, we've got mountains and we've got the beach. And so our ultimate goal was let's have a house at the mountains and let's have a house at the beach that we can use, but that pays for itself when we can't use it by using it as a short-term rental. So we bought, we entered into a contract to build a brand new mountain house in the Banner Elk area uh, in, and uh, so we were, so the house was under construction. And in January of 2020, I, right before the pandemic, was diagnosed with breast cancer.
0: So, And that diagnosis came during the build or? Yes, during the
1: build. So we were mid build and getting, you know, picture updates from the builder and everything. Um, And so really hadn't started with any furnishing or anything like that. By the time the house was ready for furnishing, the world was shut down Uh, and I was in treatment. So even if I wanted to go and shop in person somewhere, it wouldn't have been very safe. For me to do. So it was a challenge getting the house ready for sure.
0: Okay. So I want to dive into if you don't mind me asking some details about your diagnosis, because breast cancer actually runs in my family, my mother had it. And I think, again, it, it sounds very strange to be talking about our boobs on a podcast, but yeah. let's do it. Okay, yes. so what was the impetus for the diagnosis? Did you find something? Was it through a regular mammogram? Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. And I really hope my score, my story doesn't scare people, but at the same time, I kind of hope it does. If it means that you all are taking really good care of yourself and listening to your body, because mm-hmm. I had had a completely clear mammogram five months prior to my diagnosis. So, you know, one would think like, oh, I get my annual mammogram, I'm good to go. Five months after my completely clear mammogram, I had a little pain in my armpit. And I am a lifter. I uh, used to compete in um, physique sports and things like that. So I'm always in the gym. And I thought, "Ah, I must have like tweaked something in the gym. And it just bothered me all weekend. And I remember like crying in the shower because it was such an annoying pain. And I'm not a crier. I'm like, what the heck is going on? But I finally started to kind of feel around, and it felt, you know, it's like the classic story. It felt like a little BB in there, and so I thought, oh, it's an infected hair follicle from deodorant, or like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And you know, just happened to have a doctor's appointment a f- scheduled for a few days later on an unrelated topic. And while I was there, I said, hey, I found this thing. It's kind of bothering me. Would you mind taking a look? And she was like, sure. And so this was, I think, in like um, I can't remember what month it was in 2019. But anyway. Mm-hmm she said, yeah, I think we should order an ultrasound and check it out. But since I had just had a mammogram five months prior, the hospital, like our local medical center clinic, you know, their rule is if you've had a mammogram in three months prior, not within the last three months and you have an issue, you need to repeat the mammogram. And my doctor was like, she doesn't need to repeat the mammogram. It's not gonna be picked up, it's in her armpit. So Mm -hmm. the two of those organizations, fought back and forth for five more months. (gasps) Oh my gosh. And I was so busy at the, it was the end of the year. It was the holidays, all those things. And here I am thinking it's no big deal. It's nothing anyway. And I was too busy with the kids and life and everything else. And I just didn't follow up or push anybody very hard. And I remember finally in December of that year, getting somebody on the phone and saying, I don't care if I have to repeat something let's just do this. And they were like, okay, well, we're too busy to get you in now. So we'll do it in January. So that's when I finally got in for another mammogram, and then Mm -hmm. went to the ultrasound, which led to a biopsy. And even I mean, oh, so much. I mean, so much information that was wrong along the way. I mean, even the, the doctor that did my biopsy was like, oh, it's definitely not cancer. Like, I can just, I'll just put you at ease. It's definitely not cancer. And literally like, you know, a week later I get the call. Like, we you, you know, you need to come in for the results. And here's me completely clueless. Like, I think a lot of people would have known at that point something was wrong. My husband's like, do you want me to go with you? And I'm like, no, it's nothing. And I go there and like, I'll never forget the look on the woman's face when she came out to the waiting room to get me. Cause I, she knew she had to tell me I had cancer.
0: Right. So
1: yeah. So just absolutely insane. Um, And so, yeah, I was diagnosed in January. And again, not to scare anybody, but it was a very, it's a very aggressive type of cancer. Um, And so it was immediate. Everything happened like super, super fast. Right. um, Just so I got diagnosed in January, February, I had a double mastectomy, March to June, I was in chemo, July and August, radiation. So it was just boom, 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 all during the pandemic. So yeah, my my husband was able to come to one chemo session with me before the world shut down. And after that, I had to do everything by myself. I wasn't allowed to have any guest with me for wow. any of my chemo rounds or anything. Wow.
0: So. so I want to ask you, and again, I know we are going to get to a short-term rental topic. I promise. <laughs> I, I do want to dive into this a little bit because I think it's really important for people to hear, you know... we need to advocate for ourselves. 1,000%. When, during the time where, again, you were busy and, you know, maybe didn't push anyone, was this spot in your armpit still bothering you?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, you know, somebody, and again, somebody else along the way said, oh, well, because you have pain, you should feel really comfortable because, you know, cancer never comes with pain absolutely false. My oncologist later told me like eight out of 10 of her patients have pain because when a tumor gets big enough, it pushes on nerves. You're Mm -hmm. going to have pain. So that was another like piece of advice that was completely wrong. People, you know, really give advice when they have no business doing so. But yes, it was this annoying pain that I kind of just got used to and, you know, just, yeah. And of course, looking back, like nobody can tell me, you know, what happened in those five months and and the consequences of that. But yes, I mean, just listen, you have to listen to your body and you have to, like you said, advocate for yourself, push, push, push to get seen, to get what you need to get
0: answers. Yeah. So fast forward, I'm going to step back over into short term rental land for a minute, but at what point in time was your first short term rental Finished and complete from a build perspective, not from launching and being furnished, but when the when was the build completed?
1: So the build was completed in April of 2020. Um, so I was still in chemo. Right. And so the build was completed then. And yeah, I'll never forget because of course I lost all my hair. And I when we were at the mountain house getting everything put together and stuff, I took a picture. And there was a reflection off of the, we've got like full, a whole wall of glass. And there was a reflection Mm -hmm. off of that showing me like in the kitchen, bald. And when the listing agent or when the, the property management company wanted to list it, they were like, what pictures do you have? And I submitted that one accidentally. And then I was looking at the listing when it came up and I was like, oh my God, you have to get that one off. Yeah. So yeah, so it was finished like in April and then we had it listed by July of 2020. And then of course, you know, it was booked. I mean, booked up like we we have no we had no idea what short term rental, real short term rental life was like, because because of everything, nobody was flying and everybody wanted to escape. The mountains are like the best, <laughs> best right. medicine for something like that. So we were booked
0: solid. Wow. So I want to ask you again, a little bit about maybe stepping into to cancer talk and short term rental talk and blending the two. But I want to understand what your mindset was like as you are obviously, you know, going through the fight of your life from a health perspective and knowing, hey, I've got this, you know, vacation rental that I'm having built right now. How did that play out in your mind and what were you feeling at the time?
1: first of all, if this happens to anybody else, like you have to let yourself go through all the stages. Cause you know, when I first was diagnosed, I cried multiple times a day. I usually was hiding in the laundry room or my closet. (laughs) So my kids didn't see. (laughs) but you know, you're just like, I mean, just completely in shock. But once I kind of got past that and went into like acceptance phase of like, okay, this is happening. One of the things I was most focused on was being super positive. Like I believe mindset plays such a huge role in everything. So I went out to everybody I know, and I had a lot of followers on Instagram at the time. And I decided, you know, I had two choices. I could either just disappear from Instagram during this time, or I could kind of go public with everything that I was going through. And I decided to go public with everything. And I asked everybody to send me all of their best positivity type of stuff, like send me all the funniest TV shows, movies, the books that make you feel like you can conquer the world, music, playlists, like everything that I just decided, I'm just going to like immerse myself in positivity as I go through this, because I really feel like that is going to make a difference. I just felt like, you know, I can either curl up in the corner and just think, well this really sucks. I'm a super healthy person by the way with no family history whatsoever. You know, I can feel sorry for myself and all those things or I can turn this around. I mean, I had to. My I was homeschooling my kids at the time. I couldn't just curl up in a corner. I couldn't you know, lay in bed or anything like that. And thank goodness, I was super lucky and tolerated my treatment really well. I actually never got sick, um, physically threw up nothing like that. I wasn't in bed in the middle of the day, I was homeschooling them and, you know, trying to get a short term rental off the ground and all those things. And so I certainly didn't feel amazing. But I just tried to be really kind to myself and just focus on just positive, positive, positive energy from all angles. And, you know, we, we, during that time, it was, it's so strange to call it a blessing, but it really was. My family got so close during that time. We would sit down at the dinner table every day and talk about the best part of our day, the worst part of our day, what we're thankful for every single day. Mm -hmm. And it was just about that mindset of just being grateful for every single thing.
0: You have no idea how much I love that because well, you might have an idea how much I love that because I it gives me goosebumps, but I am all about surrounding myself with positivity and having a positive mindset, training our brain to focus on the positive. And there is a way to train your brain. Like a lot of people just think, oh. I'm just not like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm here to tell you, and Lori, I I would venture to say that you would agree, you know, it it is a muscle and we need to build that muscle, right? Yes. Yes. I I will say in my own life, and I've not personally been through a health battle like you have, right? But the positivity and having a positive frame of mind is critical, yes, critical to anything that you want to achieve. and the way that we talk to ourselves yes is also really critical. I'm sure that you had to have had situations where you were in the laundry room or the closet, you know, where it was difficult. Mm-hmm. What did you do to get yourself pulled back together? Talk to us a little bit about what that was like and and how those moments played out?
1: Yeah. I mean, I really did just try to give myself all the grace. I wasn't putting on a show for anybody. I wasn't putting on a front for anybody. Again, I mean, we were at home with just just my, fa- my immediate family. I mean, if I can't show everything, you know, in front of them, then who can I? I didn't want the kids to worry, but at the same time, you know, they knew, hey, mom doesn't have the best days sometimes and things like that. I mean, the other thing that I will say is I one of my very best friends had gone through breast cancer probably 10 years before me. She was one of my first calls when I got my diagnosis. And as from talking with her, she said one of the things that she regretted was not doing therapy from the very beginning. She said that somebody had recommended that she work with a therapist and she said, "Eh, I don't need that." And she said she ended up starting it a couple of months into the process instead and she said it was one of her biggest regrets that she didn't do it from the get-go and again i mean the healthcare system that we have here is fantastic and therapy is included in the process so Ooh. i just took advantage of it and so yeah that helped me a lot i mean we we're cooped up in the house can't really go anywhere can't really do anything i have zero immune system so we weren't risking anything and i would have virtual sessions with her where I could just get on there and just talk about all the things that I'm scared of. I've got little kids, like this is terrible. Like what, and she would, you know, just kind of have me play out all the what ifs and I just Mm -hmm. got to talk about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that helped me tremendously.
0: And so again, through all of this, you are having to furnish a short-term rental. Talk to us about how you, logistically made that happen
1: yes very difficult logistically especially in the neighborhood that we're in in the mountains i mean you know i don't think our house ha- i don't think our house still can be punched into gps like <laughs> wow <laughs> even though i we've had it for three years so it really is like you enter the neighborhood that we're in and it's still 20 minutes before you get to our house and uh straight up a mountain and so, yeah, I had asked the builder and the builder was kind of like, I've seen two trucks, <laughs> two furniture stores deliver here. You know, it's so, sort of like some local type of places. So I just basically cost compared, between. She, he's like, you know, a box truck isn't going to cut like you can't. He just said, you have these two choices. And I kind of just price compared and chose between the two. And then I just started collecting all kinds of, because I'm like a collector. I'm a Facebook marketplace type of person. I'm an antique store type of person. I love finding unique little things. And so I just started cl- to collect a lot of small stuff at home, knowing that we would be driving there and I could take like the smaller stuff. But yeah, I basically, you know, again, like it kind of makes me cringe now as a designer, but ba- but yeah, back then I wasn't a designer and I bought basically all the big pieces from one store just for ease of mm-hmm. the process and just mm-hmm. making it easiest on me and just kind of had all the big stuff delivered from one place and then filled in with all of the Character with little stuff that I kind of handpicked along the way.
0: Amazing. So you just mentioned back then you weren't a designer. Talk to us about how becoming a designer came to life through this.
1: So yes. So again, I mean, you would think I would have enough to do between homeschooling the kids and being in uh, therapy or in um, you know going through cancer and all those things, but. I mean, it really just, people ask me like, oh, how did cancer change you? I'm like, in every way. I mean, seriously, in every way. I kind of feel bad. No, I really do feel bad for my husband because (laughs) we've been married, what, 12 years? And like, he married one person. And now I'm really a lot different than that person. Mm -hmm. All my priorities have changed, you know, just... I, I'm the person that will just stop and smell the flower, like take in all the little things, stop the car and tell the kids, oh my gosh, look at the sunset, like all the, th- the little things. I was much more type A on the hamster wheel. Uh, we lived in New York City for 13 years. I worked in Manhattan all that time. You know, I was that person and now I'm a very different person. But through that time I was like, "Oh my gosh, life is actually really short." That is not just a saying. But you there's no guarantees. Like we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And I just was like, I have these passions that I've always had that I've never pursued because I was the kid that was like, okay, what should I study in school to make sure that I get a good job? Okay, accounting. So I got an accounting degree. I became a CPA. I always had really great jobs and all of that. But it didn't light me up, I mean, by any stretch of the imagination. And so I think during that process, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have always been obsessed with design since I was a kid in my room in Ohio growing up and flowers, landscape type of stuff. So I studied and went through the Master Gardener program during the pandemic, during all of my, my uh, treatment. And I studied design online and I don't have a degree in design, but then I just started like soaking up information, all the information that's out there. There are actually tons of designers that don't have a degree in design, I learned, which was great. And um, yeah, so I started studying both of those like crazy. And then as soon as things started to open up a little bit, our short-term rental was on the market and being, you know, booked up constantly. And I uh, took my daughter to a horseback riding lesson and I ran into somebody that we knew before and she said, oh, I just bought a house and I'm looking for a designer. And I was like, oh. Well, I just finished like studying design and she let me design her entire house, which was later published here in a local magazine. And yeah, amazing. that's, That's how it got started. And so I started doing, you know, all kinds of design. And then I realized we just added a beach house in Ocean Isle Beach to our short term rental portfolio. And, and yeah, I was like, wow, this is, you know, this is like a lot of work. And there's got to be people out there who don't live anywhere near their short-term rental, who truly are investors, who maybe don't love the design aspect. And I would, I think I'm a really good person to do this for them. And so I started specializing only in short-term rental design. So that's kind of how it all came full circle.
0: I love hearing that story. And I also love hearing that, you chose to pivot once you started thinking about the fact that, Hey, life is short and my priorities are different. I love the fact that you just went after what you wanted, because I also think Lori, a lot of people that I come across and I'm sure you've come across them too, where life just kind of happens to them and they accept it. Yes. And I am of the mindset that of course life happens and we cannot predict everything that's going to come our way however how we choose to react to situations is so powerful and we can pivot at any point
1: yes 100%. Yes, I've had like six or seven lifetimes in this life. All of my different careers along the way. One of my friends said that to me once and it just made me crack up laughing. But yes, I mean, why not? Like, I mean, why not go after what, what really lights you up? What makes you happy? I mean, you have a choice. Why would you choose the blah, blah, mundane type of stuff if there's something that you could go after that just really, really, really makes you happy because why not be happy in your life? It's
0: your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I also want to ask you about starting a business because you know, as you might imagine or can attest to when you start a short term rental, that's a business. When you start a design service, that's a business. Talk to us a little bit about how shifting into the mindset of being a business owner, how you have made that shift and what that has looked like for you.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because another reason why I say I feel bad for my husband is we were in business together and I had worked with him for six or seven years writing cookbooks. Again, this is another like flash, like my many careers, but yeah, I have written uh, eight cookbooks. He runs a fitness business. And so I've written like eight healthy cookbooks for his business. And so we were very much, I did all the accounting for the business because of my CPA background, and then had said, wow, like we need to make cookbooks. And so, you know, started doing that. And so then when I told him like, oh, I wanna, I'm gonna do this design thing. He was kind of like, "Do you have a job?" And it's with me. So yeah. So I mean, it took it took a while for him to like understand what in the heck uh, was going on, and to like gradually unravel me from that business, and for me to move over and start. So there was like a very long transition time where I had like one foot to try to start a new business and marketing myself and trying to get my name out there, which is like. You know, I always say like if I had a theme song, it would be like every day I'm hustling because <laughs> yes. right. I, you know, it is a hustle. And so I've like have yeah. one foot in the hustling there and one foot over here, trying not to let any balls drop over there until so we could transition my roles, my multiple roles to other people. And, you know, all of that. So it was a long transition period. But, um, man, it is like, and he even because he started the business himself. And so he said, I don't understand what you're doing. Like, we already worked really hard, like years ago, and we kind of got past that. And now you want to start all over. And I'm like, I can't really describe it. It's just that this is what I want to do. Like, I want to build something. And, uh, and so, you know, and here I am, but it is a lot of work. Like, he's right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, when you love it then,
0: you know, it's, it doesn't feel like work when you love it. No. Yeah. I totally agree that, you know, every day I come into my office and I get to work, work doing what I absolutely freaking love. And yeah. so sometimes my husband will come home from work and he'll be like, well, it's great that you had a good day, but <laughs> I didn't, you know, I mean, God yeah. love him because it's hard to remember And I don't want to remember all those stressful days, you know, at my, at a former job because life is so fun now when we get to do what we love. That is awesome.
1: Yes, 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 yes. And the, the stress is a huge part of it too. Somebody told me that when you stress about something, your body doesn't actually know the difference between whether it's actually happening to you because of the brain part of it. So I try in every way that I can to reduce my stress because it really is just so bad for our health in general. So yeah, the fact that I'm doing something that I love, I'm working really hard, but my stress level is like down
0: here. It's just
1: my drive is high, but my stress isn't.
0: What are some of your favorite strategies for relieving stress?
1: I mean, I will just, I'm just really good at I, t- taking time for me. Whenever I can, I sleep in. I am a big believer in rest and recovery, especially since going through, because who knows? I'll never know why I get, got cancer, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's one in eight women at this point. So, mm-hmm. you know, think about eight friends. And there you go. I mean, so it it really is just so rampant. Who the heck knows, but I did live on the hamster wheel in New York City for 13 years with babies Stressed out constantly. I mean, New York City, I love it. I love it. I do. But every day I would leave my apartment. It was like fight or flight mode. <laughs> it's right. Like, don't come at me on the subway, right. people. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, and so like I lived in like a super high stress level. So I just said, I'm never gonna go back to being that person. I'm just not. So I when I now when I need sleep, I sleep. When I just am mentally kind of spent. I'll sit down and watch like a just brainless movie with my husband and we'll just completely veg out. We try to, you know, get away when we can go see, going to see a movie is my absolute favorite thing. I get like a giant popcorn and (laughs) I just sit there and I just lose, you know, all the things that are on my brain just kind of disappear and I just lose myself in the movie. So like, I just try to be really good to myself.
0: First of all, I love that you said when i'm mentally spent because part of my my own self discovery is learning what it feels like when i'm mentally spent yeah and for the longest time i had no idea mm. you know when i was mentally spent now i i know what it feels like so i re- i can recognize it very easily how did you discern when you were mentally spent
1: When I get super aggravated over dumb things, you know, that's when I know that I'm completely maxed out, you know, when I don't know, like I'll try to, you know, pick something up and you know, like like a shopping, like, you know, if you try to pick up a shopping bag and like you you just can't, you'll drop it like three or four times. And then I'm like, yeah, and I'll just freak out. And then I'm like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like I need a mental break. It's uh, time
0: so- to hit the movies, people. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: what's not the movies? I don't care. I'm going anyway. Yeah. So just that's when I know. Like when my when my fuse is like this short then I'm like, okay, well, now you're no good to anybody, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're snapping at the, you know, I'm snapping at the kids, Mm -hmm. or I'm just getting super frustrated about dumb things. And Mm -hmm. that's just, that's just not a good place to be in. So I just know, like, I need a reset, I need some time off, I need to do something different. And um, yeah, I try really hard to do that.
0: Obviously, through OMG, Having your first short-term rental launch during the pandemic, while you are being treated for breast cancer, while you are homeschooling your kids, while you are learning a skill and a new career, and oh, by the way, while you're building a new business, let's just pause there and think about what I just said, What, what have you learned throughout this journey?
1: I have learned really that you can reinvent yourself whenever you, I mean, just again to go after the joy, you know, really go after the joy, whatever that is for you, go after it because why the heck not? And so it doesn't, there's nothing written down anywhere that said that because I went to school for accounting that I need to, I needed to work for somebody else and be like an accountant for the rest of my life. That was just, I mean, I look back on it now and I'm like, I shouldn't have even studied accounting. Like I, I should have gone into a creative field from day one. I honestly should have, but you know, you just do what you, a lot of times you just do what you think you're supposed to do. So yeah, just go after the joy and break whatever rules you need to, to chase it. I think.
0: So good. So good. I love it. Okay. I want to move into the lightning round. Okay, so I'm going to ask you to answer these questions with the very first thing that comes to mind. First question is, where is your favorite place to vacation? Oh, my gosh.
1: I, I mean, I'm gonna say the mountains and the beach if I can have two answers. Like I love them both. And they're just so special to our family. So I I'm I can't decide if I'm a beach girl or a mountain girl because when I'm at the beach, I'm like, I'm a beach girl. And then when I'm in the mountains, I'm like, I never want to leave. So i actually, I'm both.
0: Yeah. Okay. I love it. What's one place you've never been that you want to visit?
1: Italy. Yeah. My husband and I want to go to Italy. We were supposed to go for our 10 year anniversary, but that was, you know, in the middle of a pandemic and blah, 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 and all yeah. those things. So with, with cancer patients, they tell you that if you when you make it to the five year mark, after you're cleared that then you're considered you're back at like general population risk. So now we say that when I get to my five year mark, I'm at three. When I get to the five year mark, we're going to do that Italy trip.
0: Oh, I love that. Yes, I love that. I want to see pictures of that trip, by the way. Yes. Um, Okay, what's one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you were starting out In the world of short-term rentals or maybe even in the world of design?
1: Definitely in the world of short-term rentals, there are so many nuggets, like tips and tricks that I have learned that I didn't know. Just like, I don't know. And a lot of it is with design, but like things like make life easy for your cleaning people you know like things like that that i didn't think about the first time um don't put bean bags in a short-term rental like those were (laughs) destroyed after like the second guest um just like things that just really don't like it's not your house it's not your home you're not designing a primary residence um you're in the hospitality business so you need to be thinking about making things as beautiful but indestructible uh quick turnovers like you need to be thinking i mean the the god bless them the cleaning ladies at our beach house are like a pit crew i mean they're in there and they're just like because they've got like this many you know like, very short number of hours on a saturday to turn uh our, it's a five bedroom five bath house to turn it over sure. and get it ready so yeah just making things really easy and thinking like a hospitality person and not that you're doing anything in a primary residence. It's not
0: great. Okay. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
1: I'm going to say, and this wasn't given it to me directly, but I'm a huge Luann Nigera fan. I don't know if you know who she is. She uh, has a wonderful podcast for designers, but she, I think her mom gave her this advice. And so I heard it on her podcast and she said, her mom always told her, if not you, then who?
0: Mm -hmm. And I
1: love that. Mm -hmm. I also, I always would remind myself that it's like, Why not you, you know, Mm -hmm. if not you, then who's going to do this thing that you want to do? Might as well be you. So I love that.
0: So cool. And what is one thing and or person that you are grateful for today?
1: Oh, I'm going to be a suck up and say that I am grateful for you and and for so many people that are willing to share information in this industry. I mean, obviously, I haven't been in this very long, but I mean, there's such good information everywhere and people just are so free to share it. I love that you just had Paige Hayes on. And I love Paige. I mean, I have learned so much from her and Jessica Deuce. Uh, I don't know if you know her. She put on the first ever Vacation Rental Design Summit in High Point uh, with Jane Dagmey. That was in the spring. And that was like bringing together designers who just want to specialize in this and just like sharing information. And so I just think it's amazing how willing people are to share and help each other. So I'm just grateful for for just all those people in this industry that give of themselves and share their knowledge?
0: Oh, well, I will tell you, you know, it is so rewarding for me to help other people along their journeys. And I continue to learn stuff each and every day, right? And I'm equally as grateful for those people too. There are lots and lots of fabulous folks that again, are free to share and And I wouldn't be where I am today without all those wonderful people too. Love that. Lori, before we wrap up, if someone wants to learn more about you and your design services or just get in touch, what is the best place for them to find you online?
1: So, I am all over. I do have a website, Lori Shaw Interiors. And if you go to the contact page, if you have a short term rental, I know a lot of people are kind of panicking right now because their st- number of stays and all of that has dipped down and everyone's kind of panicking. And so, if you go to my contact page, I offer a free assessment of any underperforming properties. So, if people are kind of panicked and they're like, I think I need to change something, but I don't know what. You can go to my contact page at Lori Shaw Interiors and send me the link to your property and I'll respond with like my top three takeaways just looking at your property for the first time. Um, And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and the new thing, Threads, I'm on there, um, all under Lori Shaw Interiors. And I also have a new Facebook group called Design My STR that is specifically for investors looking for design assistance, they can kind of go on there and kind of post like, okay, it's a three bedroom, two bath. It's in the city. This is my budget. And then I have designers on there that will respond. And it's connecting investors and designers. If you're an investor that wants nothing to do with the design part.
0: I love it. Lori, thank you so much for being with us and for sharing your story. I know that there will be many, many lives that are impacted by just hearing your journey. So thank you for sharing with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Okay, so before we go, I want to give a shout out to some amazing women inside the Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group. Now, you know that this is, in my opinion, the coolest Facebook group on the planet. And it is most definitely the number one Facebook group for women in the short-term rental space. Well, not too long ago, Alessandra Bizalti shared a post and she says, hey ladies, discount question. We got an inquiry from this lady for a last minute family getaway for 10 guests. She checks out the same day as a guest who's staying for two weeks with us for work, which is a big stay for us revenue-wise. She's inquired and right out of the gate asked if we would knock off money to make the rate $1,500 flat. And she goes on to share additional details. Well, this sparked a lot of conversation and we had 102 ladies diving in to give their best advice. And I want to just give a quick shout out to Lindsay Elias, who responded, I have found that this is typically the first of several red flags or indicators of a more difficult or high maintenance guest. How are her reviews? So I love that piece of feedback because oftentimes when, you know, guests ask for discounts. What we see is they are some of the most difficult guests to deal with. And I think it's a wonderful suggestion to check her reviews and get a sense of what previous hosts have encountered with her. So, all right, that is it. I hope that is helpful. And I hope that this episode has been inspiring to you in some way. With that, have an amazing week. And I'll see you very soon. Hey, sister, thanks for listening to the podcast. I wanted to let you know about a free resource my team is providing the STR Success Blueprint Strategy Session. If you're looking to take your STR business to the next level, or heck, even just get it started, this free one on one is something you won't want to miss. You'll discover new tools for your STR business and outline an action plan that will help you achieve your goals and reverse engineer your STR success. This session is your chance to get the help you need to succeed. Schedule your free STR success blueprint strategy session right now by visiting stacystjohncom success.